There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey everyone and welcome to our brand new show, It Ain't Week to Speak. My name is Sam Webb and this show is dedicated to ending the stigma around mental health through community, connection and the hard-hitting truth. I'll be speaking with guests from all over the world about life to inspire and to educate people to speak up so that we can save more lives. Thank you for joining me on this journey. and welcome to It Ain't Week to Speak. Well, today is a very exciting day for us because this is the first episode of our new podcast. So welcome. Thank you for tuning in. I also want to say a special shout out to everyone who has supported us over the years and who continues to support us. Your time, your commitment to the cause, your energy, it never goes unnoticed. And none of this stuff is even remotely possible without you guys. Big love will go out to our dear friend and our brother Dwayne Lally. May your death never be carried in vain, mate, and your story will always live on so that we can save more lives. And to anyone else out there that might be struggling or who has lost someone to suicide, I want to say thank you. Thank you for being so strong. Thank you for holding on when times get very dark. And I also want to say that this show is for you. It's a community where we're trying to bring people together. I want to take everyone on a journey today. I want to rewind the clock and take you back to Livin's origins, why it started, where it actually began, and our grand vision so that we can help more people across the world. I'll be bringing on the show with me my good friend, my partner in crime, and my fellow co-founder, Casey Lyons. It is an episode you don't want to miss. We've never done an episode together like this. Our history takes us back to when we were kids. We were arch enemies at one stage on the football field to fellow housemates and then on to obviously starting living. I want to make it very clear that safety is our first priority. Now, this episode may contain sensitive content, so I'm going to place all resources in the show notes section. So please check them out if you need to. Without further ado, let's please welcome Casey Lyons. Welcome, Mr. Casey Lyons. Mate, how are you today? Well, thanks, mate. How are you? Really good, man. Really good. Obviously, over here in LA. So I want to ask you, first and foremost, before living, mate, what were you up to? Talk to me about your relationship with Dwayne and your life. How, how was all that? You know, Dwayne and I, we met first day of grade one. So uh, we were the kids that got separated in, I think, by about grade three. They separated us. They couldn't keep us in the same grade because we were just too naughty. But, you know, that didn't stop anything. We, did, we still saw each other at lunch and... And outside of school, we were still playing in the same football team. So our friendship started from quite a young age, and it was it was something that you know we both cherished so much. It you know took on another path after school when the independence and freedom of having your own car came along, and you know chasing girls and going to parties and doing all the things that 
that young blokes do. Um, wherever he was, I was. Uh, through our early teens, we were sort of somewhat separated. I was trying to play rugby league and, and Dwayne was doing very good at boxing and, and boxing just took up all of his time. He used to train before school, during school, after school. And that took him on to great things. Commonwealth Games qualifier at a very young age. Australian champ at a very young age. It was going good uh, in the boxing world. And then he had two elbow reconstructions, which kind of put a put an end to all of that. So I suppose that's, that's him and I in a, in a very small nutshell. Almost like brothers from another mother, so to speak. Yeah, and, and you know, Dwayne was very cheeky and, and everyone that, or anyone that ever met him can, can attest to that. And, you know, he was always putting shit on me. I was always putting shit on him, but it, it always came from a good place. And um, I miss the cheekiness and, the, and that, that, that smile that sort of certainly melted the ladies, but uh, warmed everyone else's hearts. What were some of the, I guess, key qualities and attributes that Dwayne, I know you've mentioned, you know, loving, charismatic, caring, cheeky, he'd throw around banter, but what were some of the best attributes Dwayne showed to you as a best mate? Well, I think he was honest. He didn't tell you what you wanted to hear. He told you what the truth was. So he always knew where he stood, uh, which was great. Uh, he was loving and then he was loyal. So I suppose out of a friend, you, you couldn't ask for any three better attributes or three better traits. You know, we clashed heads a lot, but if we ever did have a fight or come to blows, it was it was all over pretty quick and back to being um, the best of mates pretty quickly. I remember when we were young, I think I stayed at his house two or three nights in a row. And I think by the third day, we were in a punch on. Kimbo dropped me back at home and then on Monday, it was like nothing had happened. Yeah, that's just what boys do, I suppose, growing up. But um, yeah, loving, loyal and, and, and honest. Can we fast forward now to 2013 or maybe even prior to that, to introducing Dwayne and I guess why Living started and then maybe go back to the struggles that Dwayne faced as a young man and why you and I are both sitting in this situation today, running a mental health non-profit. That's very hard to say sort of when things started happening or things started changing for Dwayne as it wasn't something he liked to talk about, uh, there was only a few of us that kind of knew what was going on. Uh, other people kind of guessed or or made assumptions. I look back and I think maybe the, the end of his boxing might have had something to do with it, you know, something taken away from him before it could unfold or, or take him to where he really wanted to go or where he dedicated himself to go. That's all hindsight and it's all speculation, but... I know looking back, the hardest part for Dwayne was sort of telling people or articulating how he felt. He never felt comfortable. He felt as though he was a burden to people. And I didn't quite understand what was going on back then. You know, he had told me what was going on, but I still didn't have an understanding. And I suppose that was, looking back, one of the reasons why we, we had to choose the path we chose in the way in which we're doing it. Because there are plenty of people doing plenty of great things. But what we noticed, uh, you and I, Sam, was people weren't sort of doing what we were doing, there was, there was sort of that gap in the market. And for Dwayne, that would have been very beneficial. Had he sort of had the information or the education that this is something quite normal, you know, mental illness is very normal. He's certainly not alone in his journey. Uh, there's plenty of people just like him living with a mental illness and living wonderful, great lives. Um, just, you know, managing their mental illness day to day. I suppose, yeah, that was the catalyst looking back for, for doing what we are now doing. He just felt isolated, he felt different. He felt weird when he put his hand up to ask for help and felt like a burden and he didn't need to feel this way. You know, obviously I know because we speak together a fair bit and, you know, we mentioned that Dwayne suffered with bipolar and depression for a number of years. 
but he kept his his struggles you know very close to his chest so to speak why do you think that was the main reason why he sort of held back why do you think as 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 Dwayne's best mate obviously you knew more about him than than most people why do you feel like he he hid the pain so well and put a great big smile on his face oh probably two reasons you know Dwayne always life of the party smile on his face and he just wanted everyone to have fun he's always wanted people to have fun no matter what he was going through so that's one side and that's why no one could tell but secondly I just don't think he felt comfortable in accepting his mental illness himself because of these negative connotations that are out there and this these beliefs that we've all been sort of taught from a very young age it's just what he knew and that's no one's fault it's just how society is and that's why we're doing what we're doing so we can change society he felt like a burden you know he he felt as though what he was going through was was bringing everyone around him down and it was certainly not the case you know I'd used to chase him around the Gold Coast and and I'd do it all again in a heartbeat because it's just what you do. I think he's probably his hardest point was he just didn't understand. Therefore, he didn't know how to communicate. So he didn't understand what he was actually going through, so therefore he couldn't articulate it to someone, so sort of he hid the pain behind all of that and sort of just what what, what a lot of men are told these day, this day and age is, you know, suck it up or you'll be right, mate, just deal with it. So he basically just sort of sucked it up and, and lived with it day to day. Yeah, and he didn't want to be perceived as weak, I suppose. You know, all of his mates, you know, none of them are living with a mental illness who, you know, they probably wouldn't understand. And as you just said, a lot of them would probably just say, suck it up, you'll be right. And, you know, that never helps anyone. That only sort of adds to the burden and adds to the shame. And I suppose that was probably it too. You know, he didn't want to be perceived as weak. Yeah, and it just goes against everything that I guess what we're trying to achieve with living and that's to end the stigma around mental health through community education within schools and workplaces and then obviously the the amazing apparel that you and I are both representing right now which I'm sure many other people can relate to I just want to ask anyone that is listening and who will be listening if someone's struggling in silence that doesn't know who to turn to or what to do what's your personal advice to them it's a complex answer because there's you know everyone's completely different I suppose the one thing that can relate to anyone this might sound contradicting People don't care what you're doing day to day and, and whatnot as long as you're happy. You know, they don't care. They'll, they'll move on with their life and do what they got to do. But as a whole, they truly do care about you. To simplify it further, in the micro, people don't care. But in the macro and, and your overall well-being, they care about you more than you'll ever know. You are not a burden. And it is okay to ask for help, whether that be, you know, your parents, a friend, a family member, or, or even a stranger, a teacher at school. People genuinely want to help. And, you know, sometimes people don't know how to help, so they might sort of avoid it altogether. But that's what we're trying to change. We're trying to teach people how to help each other. And how to reach out and ask for help. Sometimes when we don't have the words to, to ask for help, we, we've we got to learn and, I guess, teach people those tools and strategies to be able to reach out and ask for help when they desperately need it. Yeah, I suppose to summarise all of that, it's the hardest point is usually first putting your hand up and, and reaching out. But... It's oftentimes the most rewarding and it's the start of a, a wonderful journey back to wellness and happiness. Yeah, definitely, mate. I, I fully agree. And, mate, I want to add to that. I remember my relationship with Dwayne obviously wasn't as close as you and him were, obviously. But I did, you know, get the opportunity to play football and uh, alongside Dwayne in representative touch football teams and whatnot growing up. And, you know, and to back everything up that you said, life of the party, very charismatic. He was always, you know, having a good time. 
you know, him and I used to always say, let's go to the top. It's a place that we, we sort of imagined. It was just a fun place that we just, you know, we'd be so confident and full of life together. That's a place that we, we were always going to. And I remember very, very clearly the night of September 15 of 2013, the night Dwayne actually invited me to his place for a little bit of a barbecue and drinks and watching the football and whatnot. And I wasn't really aware about Dwayne's struggles. I was very similar to you in the regards that I didn't really know what they meant. Even though I've, I've had my own experiences with these things in the past, I didn't really understand how to articulate it myself. So I can, I can resonate with that. And I remember Dwayne calling me into his room that night and he opened up to me and, and, and told me some very secretive, deep things that you know I didn't even see coming I was so caught off guard I didn't see it coming and you know mentioned that he was you know he had been diagnosed with bipolar disorder and I didn't have any idea but what I was trying to do is listen as best as I possibly could have I was trying to reassure him that things were great and that he had an, an amazing support network around and I remember Dwayne telling me that evening that he tried to take his life before and I didn't really know what to say and I know when I look back now and the things that I've learned through the establishment of living and the people that we work alongside, problem solving, Sam kicked into play. So there's a lot of talking. It's fine that that's what you've tried to do and Dwayne reassuring me that life was great and that his future looked bright and promising and it was certainly nothing he was ever going to try and do ever again. And problem solving Sam kept reassuring and talking. You'll be right. Please reach out to me if you're ever in a dark place again. I'll always be here for you. You've got an amazing support network. From the outside looking in, his life looked amazing. But obviously behind closed doors, as you said, Dwayne suffered you know, with some challenges that not many people really knew about. And at the end of the day, didn't really know how to talk about it. And I didn't know that that was possibly the last time I was going to see Dwayne in Living Proof. I remember Dwayne telling me, you know, some of his last words was, Webb, don't worry, man, I'm fine. I'm sweet. All is good. And that was the last time that I saw Dwayne alive. Dwayne ended up taking his life that night. I remember ringing him flat stick when I knew that he, you know, disappeared from the party and I was calling him, calling and calling and calling and texting and texting and still no response. And... I still to this day would have thought that he would have at least answered or reached out and, you know, answered the calls when I rang or when you rang or, you know, when his mum rang and stuff like that. And I sit here and beat myself up about it every single day. You know, could I have done more? Should I have done more? But, you know, I thought I said everything and listened as best as I possibly could have in the moment that I was there. And that impact that Dwayne's death, his suicide death had on an entire community was life-changing for a lot of us. And I guess that's where living started. And I want to ask you this. I mean, reflecting on that night when I remember speaking with you, you know, what was going through your head? Were you thinking the worst? Were you thinking, nah, he'll he'll show up? Like, Yeah, it's... So for a bit of backstory, I wasn't there that night. I was at a a friend's homecoming, a friend that lived overseas for a bit. Dwayne was actually meant to be there. But I think once he got home from work, it was a Saturday... Uh, he'd got home from work, he'd had a few too many beers. Now, well, he had two or three beers, he couldn't drive. So instead, he invited the party to his house. But uh, I couldn't leave this person, so um, yeah, we were texting each other through the night. We were hoping to catch up later in the night and whatnot. But, so that's kind of the backstory there. But 
when I found out he'd gone missing, of course I tried to ring him a hundred times and message and whatnot and stuff like this had happened before, but I, this time I just knew it wasn't right. I knew I had to ring his parents and that was probably the h- hardest phone call I've ever made. So uh, just because I knew it wasn't right and I, I knew something was wrong. Um, so they're trying to ring him. And when he didn't answer their calls, I, I knew something was seriously up. And then um, I was then driving all around the Gold Coast, which I probably shouldn't have been. I'd had a few too many beers, but I didn't really care. I was actually ringing the police because I knew Dwayne had been drinking and I was I was telling them that. And I wanted them to find him and you know pull him over and take him to, to prison because it would have been a lot safer for him. But they, <laughs> they pretty much told me to piss off. But obviously I was, I was quite stressed and never been so stressed in my life. But come 2 or 3 a.m., I'd never been more calm. And I, I just knew. I just knew it was time to go home and I'd wake up to a call saying that he'd been found. And I was just kind of, I don't know, it was weird. I was just at peace. I just knew what had happened and woke up to, to no calls, <laughs> no messages. I actually woke up to a message from a girl that I'd been trying to date or take on a few dates. Sorry, we'd never been on a date. I'd tried, not through lack of trying. But I actually had a message from her saying, hey, would you like to catch up for breakfast? I was like, this is weird. So I went on the date. But I told her, I said, look, I probably aren't, I'm not going to be any good. This is what's happened last night. And I think the food hadn't even come out and I'd left and I'd gone with Dwayne's parents to uh, Broad Beach Police Station to lodge a missing persons report. Um, unbeknown to us at the time um, when we were in there, a phone call actually had come through saying he'd been found. We weren't notified for another three or four hours afterwards. Oh no, I think because I had a, a greater understanding of the situation and I knew sort of what was going on with Dwayne, I knew that it was real and I knew that it could happen. Hence, the I was just stressed and I was just not really angry. I was just stressed. Got to find him, got to find him, got to find him, looking fucking everywhere for him. But then, yeah, next day, looking for him everywhere once again, and I happened to be on his bed when we got the phone call. Car pulled into the driveway, and um, I remember it clearly. It looked like his car, so I've jumped up running. Didn't even make the door, and I got the phone call, and I, I didn't even need to answer. I knew what it was. And, yeah. It's funny the Bulldogs were playing that afternoon in a, in a semi-final. I believe they were playing Newcastle. thought for sure the Bulldogs were going to win on the back of Dwayne, but... Um, I think they ended up getting towed up. So, yeah, I think the rest after that was a bit of a, a blur for, for a couple of years. You know, I'd, memory became bad and, you know, you look back and you talk to, to professionals and trauma does that to you. Everything's a bit of a blur. And yeah, remember remember the funeral or parts of it and the weeks and, and the, the days after, but yeah, it, it all becomes one big blur. And as you touched on, it rips everyone apart. His family are the, the most beautiful family and he's not here to be with them. As you said, man, Dwayne was a, a very, very close man with his family and they'd just never be the same again for him, you know, and that's the hardest thing that this, uh, this impact has on so many people. Dwayne's mum comes in here once a week or once a fortnight. We, we go out and have lunch and, and it's amazing, but I'll never replace him, that's for sure. So, you know, we, we got married in oh, last year and he wasn't there. Had a kid, he wasn't there. And this is what happens. 
this is what happens. I guess when we when we look at all that and and what's been made in Dwayne's honour and in Dwayne's legacy with Livin, I'm sure he'd be looking down right now and looking at the work and and everything that's gone into Livin and and looking at you going, you know, how grateful he is that you know this 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 beast is saving lives. He'd be laughing. He'd be saying, "Suck shit! Look at all the work you got to do." Of course, he'd be proud and he'd be loving it, but he'd be very cheeky saying, look how busy you are, look how stressed you are, <laughs> and just pointing shit at me, which which is good. That's him to a T. That's your relationship to a T, man. And I, I guess, you know, to, to add on to that, I, I've never seen Dwayne so happy on that night, you know, after the conversation we had, and it was just, you know, life of the party, the happiest man there, loudest man there, and... He didn't mean to do what he did. It, it just happened, and unfortunately, it's not not something he can, you know, live to regret or or, or take back. It, it what happened happened. Well, I can guarantee if he had that moment over again, he would never have done that. But yeah, unfortunately, it's happened, and you know he would have been happy. That's Dwayne. He would have been making sure everyone else was having a great night too. So, you know, it just happened, and it's it's one of those. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Spur of the moment things where... In that moment, he made a decision, and unfortunately, he can't take that back. And we've just got to accept that that's a decision he made. He's a grown man, and that's the decision he made in that moment. And um, we've just got to stop people from joining him. Yeah, definitely, man, hundred percent. And that's what we're that's what we're here for, and that's what we do with living. And before we move on to this next part of this session, you, you catch up with with Dwayne's mom and and dad and sister quite regularly. Obviously, you mentioned that before. 
what are their thoughts on living and and everything and the work that gets done in the community like do they is it like a bittersweet feeling for them like what do you guys get to talk much about that like how does that all play out it's kind of the, the unsaid sort of very very proud but yeah it's it's perfect world they don't need to be proud you know Dwayne's dad he he runs everywhere he runs he's got a living hat on and he's got a a shirt with Dwayne's face on it and you'll see him running in, in all of the local Gold Coast events and uh, when it's hot, when it's cold, when it's raining and, you know, he's always got a smile on his face because he's running with his son. It's hard for him, it's hard for everyone, but they're proud. They love to see the impact that it's having, all the positive impact that it's having in, in people's lives. In, in its own unique way, it's like Dwayne's still with us. He's still making a positive impact on people's life. This is what, you know, he set out to do. Yeah, I often say Dwayne, Dwayne lives on in the smiles of the faces whose lives he impacts. That's, you know, when, when someone, you know, they're smiling, that, that's Dwayne because that's all he ever did. If he wasn't angry, he was smiling. So 98% of the time he was smiling. An interesting fact too, they say a death by suicide has a direct impact on, they say 115 people's lives. But you and I both can attest that the number far outweighs that. You can't put a, put a number on someone's life. You can't put a number on any death, especially by suicide. It just never goes away. Lives with you forever. And Dwayne's sister's pregnant, and I'm sure that baby will know all about her uncle. So, you know, it, it just lives on, and it, and it just keeps that ripple just sort of keeps multiplying. And yeah, yeah, I agree. I absolutely agree with you with that, mate. Moving on, where are you right now? As we as we're speaking with you, obviously I'm in LA. I've dialed you in. Whereabouts are you? I'm in the office in uh, Burley. I'm in my little hot box. It's a, it's a warm summer's day. It's about 33 degrees at uh, 9.30 in the morning. I haven't had a chance really to explain because this is the first episode introduced to Shah um, and I wanted to leave it for you and I to both let people know what we're about, the people that don't know anyway. Give us a bit of a rundown about some of the work that gets done out of Living Headquarters and an overall you know, vision and mission, what we're working towards. Well, for a small team, we've got six of us in here and then there's yourself, Sammy. Plus, you know, we get, we, not to discount the wonderful volunteers and supporters that we have, you know, some of them jump in and get their hands dirty, but a lot of work gets pumped out of here for such a small amount of people. I don't think people realise how small the team is, how many different sort of hats we're wearing. But um, so we've got Kelly, she's in charge of fundraisers. That's processing the, the fundraisers. It's helping coordinate the fundraisers. Then it's sort of issuing all the, the receipts and, and all the compliance and governance in relation with the fundraisers. Uh, we then got Shay. Shay's come on board this year. She's in charge of um, organising all the logistics for our Living Well Education Program, um, which is our crown and glory. Uh, that's the education program which goes out to the schools, businesses, sporting clubs, uh, right around the country. And I believe we've delivered some sessions uh, in other countries around the world, uh, New Zealand, United States. I believe that's it so far maybe London as well, I'm not sure. Yeah, that's quite a big job for, for one person. We've got 18 facilitators right now. Uh, they're just all subcontractors and they're all around the country here in Australia. A 45 minute presentation and this is what we believe will have that impact from an education standpoint. You know, it's, uh, it's something that we're very proud of. It's, yeah, warning signs, symptoms, where to go for help, how to help yourself, how to have those conversations. It's something that you and I didn't have growing up in schools and a lot of people don't have in workplaces or, or universities. And I guess that's the reason why 
we kicked off living well so that we could educate the masses that it ain't weak to speak but also to educate people the warning signs the symptoms self-help strategies maybe how to help someone else where to go for help if they are struggling it's amazing you know i can talk from you know my experiences as being a facilitator within schools and workplaces how many people are actually uneducated around the topic of mental health and suicide prevention so i think you know we hear it you know firsthand the impact that this program has on people from all over australia that's for sure and it goes to show that programs like this are are very much needed certainly and i think we're our own worst critics too because we sit there and we always question ourselves and question each other what more can we be doing the living well presentation itself when you peel it back it's quite simple but that's what's needed because we've never learned anything but i think the real positive and the real strength of it is its simplicity but also it's real it's relatable and our facilitators you know, it's a standardized program, but they throw in their own lived experience to it, which makes it relatable. And that's what people really resonate with. And yeah, it's, it's amazing to see all the different facilitators and the little touch that they put on it and their own sort of, you know, the pride that they take in, in helping affect people's lives. Um, you know, these people were strangers to us not that long ago, and now they're, they're part of the living family. And we are so grateful for them um, and all the work that they do. Each of them have got their own unique journey and their own lived experience and their own story, which they add in. For, for the living well angle and and i guess it goes to show that you know struggling and and having mental health challenges or an illness is very common and if you're struggling with a diagnosable mental illness right now you're definitely not alone there are a lot of other people that are in in a situation similar to yourself but i'm also very mindful that no one knows exactly how anyone else feels so if i've got anxiety in case you've got anxiety I can't sit here and say, I know exactly how you feel. I might get an understanding of how you feel, but I certainly don't know exactly how you feel because that's the beauty of being a person. We're all very different and we're all very unique. Yeah, that's also the beauty of you know, people getting help or, or, or self-care. What works for myself doesn't necessarily work for you and vice versa. So it's all about finding that balance and finding what works for you and what makes you happy. And then obviously the merch, obviously creates a conversation and it's almost like a behavioral change people become part of the living initiative so to speak you get the nod of approval if you see someone else walking down the street with a living hat or a snapback or, or a hoodie on can you shed some more light on the on the vision around the merch case yeah well with the staff members i just sort of mentioned um i was going around in in my head it's easy to go around in order of of where they sit in the office <laughs> so next cab off the rank is actually my wife amy she's been from us from you know when it was just sam and i uh, she came in and uh, alleviated some of that burden or some of that load on us and um so she's kind of across everything we do but she's mainly in in the merch um it's kind of the background she came in from before you know she had her own boutique and label and etc blah 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 but the merch started for us as a conversation starter. It started as a form of advertising for us. You know, when we first started, we had no money. No one has any money. So we had to use what we could use. And luckily for us, we knew a few famous people, somewhat famous, we won't give them a big head, but uh, Mr. Alex Glenn, you know, NRL player opened up a lot of doors for us and, and a few of the other boys that we played with when we were kids and the joys of social media. A lot of free advertising and it kind of just all these walking, talking billboards, and it just took off like wildflower. And the merch, funny enough, it was the first thing that we launched within Living back back in 2013. I remember very clearly 
you, myself, and Dwayne's mum and Travi sitting up at Mermaid Beach Tavern on the Gold Coast. Never forget it. And we were thinking around names around this possible movement or whatever it was at that stage. And Livin' was born. Can you spread, because I've got a few questions here. Can I spread some a question there around Livin'? How did that start? Where did the name come from? Well, it's funny. Um, Sam might have kittens when I retell this story. We were trying to pick up a name and I think out of nowhere I said, oh, something like, what about living or just living? And everyone kind of looked at me like, you an idiot? And I said, no, no, I've got some good reasons. So Dwayne, if you go back through his Instagram, it's all there. He used to hashtag living and a few other things, L-I-V-I-N, same as us. But <laughs> Sam, if no one knows, Sam's also quite OCD clean freak. Sam lived in America many moons ago um, when he was, he was an investment banker, weren't you? No, I worked in finance. Don't talk me up that much, mate. I was just in a, as, as an associate in finance, just out of uni. <laughs> Used to wear these oversized brown suits. <laughs> but, but anyway, Sammy's got a house here in, um, in Burley. So this is, you know, Dwayne's alive. It was my birthday one year. And um, I was living in Sam's house looking after it, doing my best anyway, while he was living in America. And it's my birthday one night. Dwayne was there. Uh, a few of the boys from the footy club were there. And... We're having a few drinks, getting a bit rowdy, and Dwayne goes, let's have a ceiling party. You know, what's a ceiling party? He goes, I'll show you. So he runs inside to the lounge room, grabs a dining chair, and just straight up through the ceiling, the four legs of the chair, pulls it out and does it again. And he's got the big cheeky smile on his face to go, what the hell are you doing? He goes, just living. And that's kind of how that started. Anyway, my jaw's on the floor. I don't know what to do next. Uh, and Dwayne's run off up to my room to grab my laptop so he could Skype Sam to show him what he's just done to the ceiling. <laughs> That's insane. Uh, so he's Skyping I was actually Sam. Wasn't, I wasn't and, too unhappy. And I'm yelling at him. He goes, don't worry. I'll be here to fix it tomorrow. So my birthday's November. It's quite hot. Next day, he's crawling through the ceiling, true to his word, fixing this ceiling. But the ceiling's got all that insulation. And back then, it was the... It was the itchy insulation. So all I could hear him in this hot ceiling whinging. And I, I'm yelling out, who's living now, you little shit? You know, it's something that he always used to say, and it's, it's what we want people doing. So it's a very fitting name, I, I, I believe. It totally is, and I'll never forget that. I remember him Skyping me. I was in the middle of the Midwest, obviously other ends of the planet. It was freezing. And you guys are just telling me about putting holes in my roof. And I actually knew it was going to get fixed, but I was deep down trying to pretend it was going to be all good man but it was it was killing me it was killing me but on that note i remember obviously at Dwayne's wake and and we put t-shirts together and we had Dwayne's face on it um with one of his messages that he used prominently on his instagram and from a famous song that he likes by xavier rudd i mean the merch was one of our first pillars from living i remember you know running we were running the merch from my kitchen at one stage then it was the bedroom at the house in Dabchick Drive in Burley Heads. Looking back at it, I remember we did these shirts for everyone to wear to the funeral. Uh, they obviously didn't have living on them, just as you said, Dwayne's face and the song. We were going to give the money to his family and they just kind of turned around and said, no, donate it to a charity or do something with it. So that's kind of how living first started. We then had the meeting and came up with the name. And originally we just intended to, to make clothes and donate to a charity. But when we sort of peeled back the the layers, we, we couldn't find a charity that was doing exactly what we wanted to do or that, or what we knew we, you know, someone like Dwayne needed. 
And that was education to, to break that stigma and, and make people feel comfortable in asking for help. There's plenty of great service providers in Australia, in the United States, but there's also plenty of people living in silence through fear of judgment. So we just knew we had to connect the two. And, you know, we started with the clothes and it just kind of grew and grew and, you know, we kept adding things on. But the clothes were, were a great way for us. You know, the first drop was five shirts and then 10 shirts and it just grew each time. Yeah, I remember running home from my part-time job. I was full-time at that stage, packing orders and sending them off to people. And one thing, like you said, grew to the next. And before we knew it, you and I were full-time in this in this organization. We'd reached, recently pitched it to Minter Ellison, turned us to a charity. And before we knew it, we were a nationally recognized organization. From the very start, we've just been so grateful for all the, like We've received so much support from people. I suppose that's probably because of how big this problem is. In a perfect world, we'd sort of have no one asking us to, to help us and we'd, we'd have to be sort of begging people or, or trying to explain what it is, what we're doing, but people just get it because it's such a big problem uh, and they want to help. But yeah, back to that, I remember, yeah, storing the clothes at mum and dad's and, and my house, which was across the road from the office here. And it's funny, the house across the road from the office here used to flood. All the clothes were underneath the house was on a hill used to flood so whenever there was a lot of rain all the clothes had to stack them up in boxes and it's come a long way from you know hands and knees packing orders and and lining up at the post office to send them out but i still remember the first time i saw someone wearing a living shirt where i didn't know the person it was in james street here in burley and so it was, it was great it was local as well and i just remember going up and shaking his hand and thanking him we've got some of our first shirts here on show in the office and Glad we've come a long way from there. Jeez. Yeah, vintage, mate. Might have to bring them back one day. But I, as you said, it creates a conversation. It's it's the cool factor that was missing that I think you and I brought to the mental health sector, so to speak. We wouldn't certainly be in the situation that we're in today if we didn't have the help and the support from people literally all over the world. Australia, obviously, everyone's been so giving, supportive. There are people literally in all corners of Australia that have been over backwards for living have helped push living in the right direction and you know we thank you guys wholeheartedly for your countless time commitment and and it goes to show that there are a lot of Dwayne's out there I mean Casey you and I hear stories of suicide pretty much on a day-to-day basis this is something that we've we've been hearing now for for six years the problem hasn't necessarily gotten any better What's your thoughts? What's your visions for the future? And how do you think we could really make a difference here? That's another question that we always ask. You know, we round table here in the office because I suppose we're lucky. We're in a, well, I haven't actually mentioned our two other staff members yet. We've got our marketing manager, Geordie, who she wears a million different hats. And then we've got Luco, our psychologist. Um, Luke, you know, we're very lucky to have him on board. He's formerly of the Australian Defence Force. So, all these people, we have like a culture of continuous learning. I don't think any of us sit back on our laurels and, and just sort of let things happen. We're always wanting to be better. I know next year we're, we're going to embark on a social impact journey just so we can gauge where we're at and, and better communicate with the masses the impact that we are having. Take pe- more people on that journey with us because it's just what we need to do. I suppose the, the grand vision is just to, to affect change so people feel comfortable in asking for help increasing that help seeking behavior 
because as we said earlier, there's plenty of great service providers in this country. And, and even outside of that, there's plenty of great support networks, your friends, your family, your dogs, your, your cats even. There's plenty of these great support networks around. It's just about educating people on how to engage with them and how to connect and bringing happiness back to people's lives. Such a culture of of busyness and stress now that we just need to remember how to be happy. And I'm looking at your shirt here, mate, and then obviously the picture of the background. You've got Dwayne and yourself on a, on a handcrafted piece of artwork behind you in your office, but you've got a shirt that says You Matter, which is obviously made through the Livin, um, one of Livin's collections. Every single person matters, and it's something that we touch on quite regularly within the culture within Livin, and it's something that we push across to our community. If you ever feel alone, I'm gonna in the show notes there there will be a list of professional service help providers within the area, both local, national, that will provide within the show notes. So if anyone is experiencing a hard time or wants to find out how to get help or take the next step, we'll make sure that we can help point you in the right direction there. Case before we before we wrap up the show, because obviously we could talk all day. This this episode is is dedicated to to the start of the living podcast. It ain't weak to speak podcast. We want to send this message viral. We want everybody to know that they aren't alone. We want to educate communities to speak up and to seek help because the more people that we can educate, the more lives that we could potentially save. And we want to reinforce that with our mantra, it ain't weak to speak. Now, Case, before we close, before we wrap up, what's the takeaway message that we could leave our listeners with today that that are wanting to join the journey and be part of the Living Initiative? What do you say to them? Well, I suppose you touched on it before. You matter. So it doesn't matter who you are, uh, what you're experiencing. You matter to us, and we, we, we want you to feel part of the living community and make it your own. So you might live in Catherine, Northern Territory. You can create a living community there. Just because you live in Catherine doesn't mean you can't be part of the living community. We want people to feel a part of that community, and we want people to to be pillars or advocates of, of change and, and lead by example and, and practice self-care daily. Whatever it is that makes you happy, practice it daily. Uh, encourage those around you to practice self-care daily. Checking in on the, the neighbor next to you or mowing someone's lawn or paying for someone's coffee, there's something that's so small but will make you feel good and make the person that you give that, that gift to feel great. So I think it's about doing the little things right. We want people to do the little things right because they add up to the big things. Consistency, um, wellness is a journey. So you can't just go take one tablet and, and think to be cured. It's a continuous journey and we want people to continually work at their wellness because you are, you matter and you are worth it and you are loved. Absolutely. Amen to that, man. Amen to that. And for everyone listening, if you want to find out more, you can head to Livin's socials at Livin.org or you can head straight to our website and find out more about who we are, which is www.livin.org. If you also want to join the Facebook community group after the podcast to continue the conversation, um, you can find that as well at the Livin.org website as well. Thanks for, for joining us on the first episode of It Ain't Week to Speak. We look forward to, to speaking again. Keep living, keep working, and send all the love to the staff, mate, and we'll chat soon. See you, mate. Please like, share, and spread the love to as many people as you can. Let people know that you subscribe to the show. Don't forget to leave a review or a comment so that we can grow this community together because a conversation could save a life. 
If you want to continue this chat, please join me on the podcast Facebook group at living.org. I can't wait to share the next episode with you. But in the meantime, stay well, keep living, and remember, it ain't weak to speak. Thank you and have a top day. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.